All right, look, uh, this is going to be a really important message this morning. You've heard it maybe times before. Um, but I want you to punch a guy next to you right now and say, hey, this is about you this morning, so listen up. It's probably not about you, but it's about him, right? He needs to hear this. What we're doing in, what we're doing is, um, Bill mentioned to you guys, we're going through our, our core values and our goals in ministry and what, what we're about here as influencers. Um, and so Bill mentioned that we're Christ-centered, faith-based, grace-driven. We've been over the Christ-centered and what it means to have Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. That's one of our goals, Jesus is Lord. We've been over uh, faith-based. And today I want to talk to you about grace-driven. Grace is a big deal. I don't know if you've thought about it lately, but it's a big deal. You know, everywhere I go, no matter where I go, if I go to Africa with uh, Glenn McGill or if I go to Germany or Ireland, if I go to over to um, where we've been, Okinawa, Australia, um, guys are the same everywhere. Uh, they may not dress alike and they talk differently, but they struggle with the same stuff, especially when it comes to spiritual things. Most guys that are Christian guys that have put their hand to the plow of following Jesus Christ struggle, struggle working it out. The theology of justification that I'm perfect in Christ, I'm forgiven for every sin I've ever committed, my con- Position in Jesus Christ is solid and stable, and no one can take that away from me. And no one can change that. But this whole sanctification thing, eh, we got a problem with that. We got a problem working it out with fear and trembling. As Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And James says, You know, guys, you tell me you have faith, show it to me. You tell me you have faith, let me see you living it out. John the Baptist said to the Pharisees when they came out, when he was baptizing people, and he says, who told you brood of vipers to flee from the wrath to come? You go and do the deeds that keep with repentance and then come. So, you know, God expects us to live out what he has put into our hearts, to be sanctified, to be saints. Excuse me. But most guys, if you look at them and you go, man of God, Let's sit down, kick the dirt, look around, see who came in. And you go, why'd you look away? Well, I'm unworthy. Oswald Chambers, just a couple of days ago, had a devotional in my most highest. And basically he, he said, you know, and the verse he used was, the um, can't remember the address, is in Corinthians. But he said... The grace that God bestowed on me was not in vain. So every time a guy says, well, I'm, I'm trying, I'm not good enough, I, I, I'd like to be a man of God, but I'm not, uh, I'm working on it. Every time you say that, it's like slapping Jesus right in the face. Every time that you belittle what he has done for you in making you a man of God. Now, you may not be the perfect man of God, and the, the guy next to you is certainly not. 
And I, we all know there is no perfect man of God. We all struggle. We all stumble around. We're all trying to get it right. Can I get an amen, amen. on that? Amen. Good. You, you're awake and you under, you're making in touch with reality. So, you know, we're struggling. And, and so what God has done is he's bestowed <laughs> grace on guys like us. Grace is about us. It's about you and me. It's about guys who struggle around and try to do, but always feel like not enough. You read your Bible, not enough. Pray, not enough. Give, not enough. It's always that not enough stuff. And we've gone over this before. Not enough means God hasn't done enough. If God had done a little bit more, maybe I'd be there. But he hasn't. It's a defiant thing, really, um, when we say that. It may sound humble, but it's not. It's not humble before God. God says, I've given everything. I have nothing left to give to you. I've poured out everything that I have for you so that you could be a man of God. And I remember Leachman saying that same thing one time at one of our retreats. He goes, so why aren't we men of God? Why do we keep stumbling around? Why do we keep? Well, because we have that old nature. And it's like one of these days they're going to have to unhook us from that dead man. That old man. That dead man that we are tied to. If you ever, you know, there was, a, I don't even remember where this was in history. But I know one of the things they were doing to torture people was they had time to dead bodies. And that dead body would rot and stink. And they were just tied to that dead body. And of course it would kill them eventually. And sometimes I feel like we're walking around tied to a dead body. That just stinks and reeks. And we never have separated ourselves from that dead body. And focused on Christ and been free in Jesus Christ. And knowing the truth that sets men free. And I know, guys, the devil comes along and he lies to us. And we know his voice better than we know the, the, the voice of God. My sheep know my voice. Well, if we knew his voice, we wouldn't be struggling like we struggle. This song, I hadn't heard Sam sing that song till Wednesday when he sang it with our guys there and sang it this morning. Tell me, Lord. Tell me that you love me. Tell me that you know me. Tell me that I'm okay. Tell me you approve of me. Tell me you accept me. But most guys that are following Jesus Christ don't feel like he accepts them or approves of them or receives them. Matter of fact, they don't believe he loves them. They believe he's disappointed in them because they're not measuring up. They're not living the perfect Christian life. They keep struggling over and over. And the devil comes along and the devil says, you hypocrite. The devil, the accuser, the murderer, the liar, he comes along in that familiar voice that says, you call yourself a man of God? Look what you just thought. Look what you just did. Look what you just said. And you call yourself a man of God. He'll come along and say, God doesn't want to hear that anymore. He's tired of you confessing something you know you're just going to do again. You ever heard that one? Go like that. Yeah. <laughs> He's full of stuff like that. Yeah. Just a bunch of lies. A bunch of stuff that we've heard before. You're unworthy. You're guilty. You're, you should be ashamed of yourself. You know why you feel guilty? Because you are. You know all these other guys, they got their act together. But you don't. You know, how could it be wrong if everybody's doing it? 
You ever heard that one? That's one of our good rationalization and justifying lies. God's tired of you confessing that sin. God never is tired. The broken and contrite heart, he'll never cast out. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Amen. So you want to be tied to a dead body? You want to be believing the truth that sets you free? And it all is wrapped around grace. Grace is, let's go back over this. Grace is unmerited favor. That means favor that you're given, good, good done to you, a gift that you're receiving that you hadn't earned, you don't deserve. You're, the giver of the gift is gracious. Over in Psalm 51, when David had murdered Uriah by sending him where he knew he would be killed in the front lines of battle, Bathsheba's husband, he had gotten her pregnant while Uriah was out fighting the war. He ran from God for a year about that, and then Nathan stuck his finger in his chest and said, Thou art the man, and David broke. He repented. That's what men of God do. Men of God, repent. It's not so much that you're going to sin or not sin. You are going to sin. But what do you do when you do sin? That's the question. Men of God are set apart from this wannabes because they confess their sin. They make it right if they have to. They repent. In that broken and contrite heart, uh, what do you tell Peter? Peter says, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? Seven times. What did Jesus say? 490 times. That seemed to be infinite enough. So God has no statute of limitations on us confessing sin. He just wants to see if we're truly broken. He just wants to see if we're truly repentant. And you know, most of the time we really are, aren't we? We rationalized, we justified, we knew we were rationalizing and justifying, and then we went ahead and sinned and Whatever it was. Now there are other sins that just kind of come flying out of our mouth. Or we just stumble into without thinking, premeditated. But there's also sins that we thought about, struggled with. And in our brokenness and in our hypocrisy, God wants us to come to him and just confess. And here's what David said in Psalm 51.1. Be gracious to me. O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wow. You know, David had spent a lot of time in God's presence. He had written a lot of Psalms. He knew God. He was a man after God's own heart, the scripture says. And if he can commit murder and adultery, what am I capable of? I've thought about that many times. If Paul can pray like this and write like this and say... I buffet my body, I treat it roughly, I bring it under control so that after enlisting others to the race, I myself might not be disqualified. Paul lived every day in the fear that he could do the same thing David did. He could be disqualified. And you know what that tells us? It tells us over in that 51.1, it tells us that God is gracious. Be gracious to me, O gracious God. And if God wasn't a gracious God, he'd have never said that. If God wasn't a God that bestowed favor on men who didn't deserve it, who couldn't earn it. But we keep trying to earn God's approval. It's just something built into our manhood. We keep trying to work for it. And if we don't work for it, we don't feel like we deserve it. And that's going to put a lot of men straight in the pit of hell. Unwilling to bow the knee 
to humble themselves, to confess that they're sinners and helpless and hopeless and cannot help themselves, cannot save themselves, cannot fix themselves. And nobody else can put Humpty Dumpty together again either. Not that Humpty Dumpty. Only Jesus Christ, by His grace. We're saved by grace and merited favor. Only Jesus Christ can put that Humpty Dumpty together again. And He does a great job. If we will believe and receive... If we'll humble ourselves. It's what grace is all about. It's a gift, but you have to receive the gift. You have to receive God's gift of grace, of forgiveness, of mercy. You have to receive God's blessing of restoration and reconciliation and peace. He's given it. He's poured his life out for it. He hung on the cross that we could receive it. Don't you know it breaks his heart when we don't believe that we deserve what he freely gave us. If God gave us his own son freely, how will he not freely give us everything else? Paul said over in Romans. In the beginning, in John 1, the, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus Christ was the Word. He, when he was with his Father in the very beginning, he's Creator God, the Triune God. Hope you got your theology down about that. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. This is the incarnation. This is the miracle. This is the thing that sets our God apart from every other God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to experience everything we experience except without sin. He knows. He was hurt. He was humiliated. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was left alone. He was abandoned. He was accused falsely. His good was evil spoken of. He was beaten and whipped and tortured humiliated publicly. And when he was reviled, he reviled not. And when he suffered, he uttered no threats. You know why? Because he had been to Gethsemane. He went to Gethsemane, and in Gethsemane, he in his manhood, in his humanity, in his suffering, and sweating like great drops of blood, he said, Father, I don't want to have to drink this cup. I came to do it. You sent me here to do it. But I don't want to have to drink this thing. If there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Well, we ain't quitting now, God said. When you left heaven and you became a man and you put on that fleshly suit of yours, said, we're not going to stop now. Alan Olson needs you to hang to go to that cross. Paul Grover needs you to go to that cross. Amen. You really need him to go to that cross. <laughs> this guy's got a good grip on his humanity right here and the repentance and restoration. You ought to follow him around. Francis needed Jesus Christ to go to that cross. Because we wouldn't be sitting here today, I guarantee you, would we? If Jesus hadn't gone to the cross and if he hadn't forgiven us. But we don't want to dance around the edges of this faith that we have in him, this walk that we have in him. We don't want to dance around hoping that one day it's going to kick in. What needs to happen for it to kick in for you? For you to receive God's grace. For you to get that dead man off of you. And live in the truth of the spirit and the power. The spirit that you've received is a spirit not of timidity, but power and love and discipline. You don't have to be timid and afraid and and humble or falsely humble or whatever kind of humble this self-image that you've got of yourself just not ever doing enough, not being good enough, not being worthy. 
we got to stop slapping him in the face on that, guys. Amen? Amen. Remember I told you it was about that guy next to you? Well, it's about you and me. Every guy that ever decided he was going to walk with Jesus Christ deals with this stuff. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And what was He full of? He was full. What was He full of? Grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. For his fullness we have all received. From his fullness we have all received. He's full of grace and so we receive grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Have you ever heard guys say, Oh no, I'm such a sinner. The church would fall in if I went to it. Bragging, you'd done it crazy. No, it wouldn't fall in. My God's full of grace and truth. You full of sin, his grace will trump your sin. That's what it's all about. That's what grace is. It trumps our sin. It's bigger than our sin. For he gives us grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth was given through Jesus Christ. Pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. Guys, if we're going to win the battle, if we're going to be warriors, if we're going to stand firm in the faith and act like men... If we're going to make a difference and an impact, we're going to have to live grace-filled lives. We're going to have to start giving this. If we've ever received grace, we give grace. But there's a lot of times we're missing giving the grace to people that hurt and wound. You You and I need to go and hang with Jesus on the cross. I'm crucified with Christ. We need to just hang with Jesus on the cross and look at those Roman soldiers that are laughing and mocking and just put nails in your, our hands and our feet and the thorns on our brow and say, Father, forgive them. You got that person in your life, you need to hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, because when you get free and you know the truth that sets you free, that's where you find yourself. You find yourself hanging on a cross with Jesus Christ, looking at that person that wounded you, abandoned you, broke their promise to you, didn't live up to anything in your life, cheated you, stole from you, hurt you, talked about you, and on and on and on. It's what the fallen world's. It's what happens. And we need to get there and hang with Jesus Christ until we can say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, and there's where freedom is, man. I don't have to carry that dead body around anymore. I don't have to be tied to that. Sometimes I'm tired to my own dead body. Sometimes I'm tied to those people that hurt me. See, there's only two kind of people you ever think about. That's people you really love a lot and people you really don't love or hate a lot. We don't like to say we hate, but we do. And so if you don't hate them or love them, you don't think about them. And what we have to be careful about is we become like that which we think about. You ever heard a guy say, I'm never going to be like my dad? Then one day this thing comes flying out of his mouth and he goes, that was dad. Crud. That was my dad. I've become just like him. Why? Because I focused on him all the time. I had bitterness in my heart toward him. He, didn't, he wasn't the dad I needed. He wasn't the, the promise keeper that I needed. He wasn't there for me. And so we get tied to him and become just like him. And we need to hang on that cross until we can set him and everybody like him in our lives free. 
There's where the power is. That's what the, there's where the power to change lives comes from. The guys that get even with you, the guys that make you pay penance, the guys that penalize you, and those things, we need to be disciplined in life. The Word of God is good for correction and rebuke. And so we need to be corrected and rebuked. But the guys you really remember are the guys that give you grace. See, if, if we men and women, we husbands and wives, could ever get a handle on grace and giving each other grace, it would eliminate so many of our problems. I don't have to get irritated about that. I can give grace. Unmerited favor. Did she ask? No. Does she feel repentant? No. It's not about her. It's about me. It's about me being free. And all she's doing is showing that she's in bondage. He's in bondage. He's in bondage to bitterness, to his wounds. And it affects how he treats other people. And it's grace that's going to change lives. It's that unmerited favor when you don't have to get even. You get to turn the other cheek and go the second mile and bless those who persecute you. You get to give grace. Yeah, but where's the justice in that? Where's the fairness in that? The flesh will rise up and say, no, I will not. I need my pound of flesh. I don't care what Paul wrote in Romans. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Yeah, but I want to watch at least. can't wait can i just watch can i gloat a little bit when they suffer for the consequences for their sin paul says i would die for all of you jews if you would just receive christ i would take your sin on me and i would go to hell if you would just come to christ what a burden certainly god would never punch that ticket but i believe he truly meant it what a burden for souls what grace And these are the same guys that were stoning him, lying about him, trying to kill him, plotting against him, running him out of town. These same guys. Wasn't just the ones that were welcoming him with open arms to their prayer meeting. He had a burden for that. And God honored that burden. Because God always honors faith, He never honors fear. We're afraid to be gracious. We're afraid it'll be seen as weakness. See, in our old man code, that's what grace is seen as. It's seen as weakness. Where's the fight in you? Where's the man in you? You got to stand up for yourself. Take up for yourself. You got to get even with those people. If they treat you, let them get away with that. They'll just keep treating you that way. You ever heard that voice? That's a lie from the pit of hell. And you know what? It's not a lie that they will keep you treating you that way. They probably will. On the other hand, they're going to sneak around during the night like Nicodemus at some point and say, whatever you got, I need. They were humbled when you gave them grace, when you didn't fight back but turn the other cheek, when you gave them a blessing. When you crawled across through your own blood in that room that one missionary spoke to our church, he had been taken captive in Lebanon. They beat him and... Slapped him around pretty good, and at one point he crawled through his own blood and kissed the feet of the guy that was beating him. I think he sent him there to be tortured and to be held incarcerated so these guys could come to know Jesus. I mean, we've never had to pay that kind of price for our faith. We hear it, we read about Fox's Book of Martyrs and other martyrs and other Christians that are tortured and 
We think getting tortured is someone saying something that offends me and puts me down and makes me feel less a man. And that's life. Life is hard. Sin abounds, but grace abounds all the more. Does it abound abound all the more in you? That's the question. That's a question I have to ask myself every day. I want to keep struggling with all this stuff, but I want to receive the free gift of Jesus Christ of grace. And see, only when I've received grace can I give grace. Be gracious to me, O God, so I can turn around and be gracious to you. I'm blessed to be a blessing. That's what God told Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless you and every nation through you. I'm blessing you to be a blessing. When you get a blessing, don't try to keep it for yourself. If God has given you grace, give it away. Give it to others. Find glory. You know, that's a fun part of the Christian life for me. Bill Bright used to say all the time, every day is an exciting adventure for a Christian. I said, when's that kicking in? When's that going to start happening? But then slowly but surely I began to understand that when I give grace and when I love people with agape love and when I turn the other cheek and go the second mile and when I bless people and I give to those who don't deserve it, not worrying if I'm enabling or doing this or doing that, just giving to people in need, giving of time, giving of treasure, giving your money, Digging deep, giving sacrificially of time and and money and effort. And you find a joy in it. You know you've broken through when you find a joy. That becomes your hedonism. That's where you find your fun. Your fun is in blessing. Especially those who haven't blessed you. Especially those who don't wish you well. That's the breakthrough that you and I need. Amen? We need the, the breakthrough of grace. You're saved by grace, unmerited favor. You're saved by grace through faith. We're grace-driven. We're faith-based. And we're Jesus Christ-centered. Have you owned that? Is that your core values? Is that, have you ever sat down and just say, I'm going to journal through those things today. I'm just going to ask God to make them mine. It's not just influencers or Pete's or anybody else's out there. This is stuff that every Christian should have. It's not like we're unique. We just read the Bible and say, okay, I'm saved by grace through faith. And saved seems to be a pretty important thing. And how is a man saved? You would think the average Christian guy believes his theology is I'm saved through works. I'm crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, Christ lives in me. It's not a result of works, so no man can brag about it. How much clearer does he have to be about that? Can you just rest from all your works? Can you just rest and quit doing things with wrong motives and the motive of getting God to love you and receive you and accept you and approve of you? Can you, would you just quit doing things with that motivation? Because it ain't getting you anywhere. God doesn't love you anymore because you gave a little more and you helped out a little crusade missionary that came in today. You're going to pray for him or give him, get behind him. God, if, if God has prompted you and told you with him or anybody else... God just wants to see you be obedient. That's what pleases him. He wants you to see you be obedient in faith. Faith giving. Of your time, of your treasure. Doing it out of a heart of faith and a heart of obedience to Jesus Christ to what? Glorify him. And to see his work spread throughout the whole globe. And you get a chance to be a part of it. Even if it costs you something, a little something. If we don't break, make these breakthrough guys, I don't know why we just, why don't we just go back to our old life?
Who are we impacting? We're just being bitter like the next guy, getting even like the next guy, feeling unworthy like all those guys out there that they have never even prayed to receive Christ, haven't received or tasted his glory. I think that means you're time to stop. <laughs> I don't know if you can take any more, to tell you the truth, and I don't know if I've got any more to give. So whoever's embarrassed about that, you should be, but <laughs> but, it, but the Lord's using it. The Lord's using it. Can I call you a man of grace? Can I call you a man of grace? If I looked at you today and say, man of grace, would you own that? Would you say, yeah, that's me. Forgetting what lies behind. Okay, I should say this part. I don't know. You may not have been gracious coming in here. We got one guy here, Steve Wilson. Where's Steve? I mean, uh, Scott. He left with Jason. <laughs> he left because a tree limb was blown off out here in the parking lot and crushed the back of his truck. He, he was here just trying to do a good thing. He came to the prayer meeting this morning. Man, what's going on here? And he's got to give God grace now, of all things. <laughs> Who else are we going to blame it on? So guys, let's be men of grace. Let's quit slandering God by saying, I'm not good enough, or I hadn't done enough, or I believe God loves all these other guys, but he doesn't love me. Don't hurt his heart that way anymore. Amen? Amen. Okay, that guy next to you needs somebody saying, I'm in this thing with you, buddy. Let's, let's lock shields here. And we're all struggling with the same stuff. Amen? And we all have the same God and the same spirit and the same hope and the same power through the Holy Spirit to be men of grace. Now, there's going to be an application to this today. You've got to go out there and there's somebody you're going to have to give grace to that you have not been giving grace to. When I said we have to hang on that cross with Jesus Christ, we have to use God saying, come hang with me for a while. <laughs> you know the term, come hang with me for a while. And don't, let's don't get off this cross until we can forgive and wipe the slate crane and get that dead body off of us. Truly do it in joy. Receive the joy the Lord has for us, the truth that sets men free. And that'll change lives. It'll change yours, and it'll change all the guys around you. Let's lock, home, let's lock shields on that. Father, it's what we're doing. We're stacking hands on that right now. Today, we're asking you, Father, to complete the work that you began in us. As Paul said, he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we're just on this journey with you. We want to be men of grace. We don't want to just wait and wait and wait for a breakthrough. We ask you right now. To break through to our hearts so that we could give unmerited favor to people that don't deserve it. So we could give like you gave. That we could give pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. So we could be free like you were free. So we could reflect the great nature of the God who's unique in all the world of gods. There is no God like our God. Who's a God of amazing grace. We receive it. We want to give it away and glorify you. And we want to do it 
In Jesus' name, and all God's men said, Amen. Get out there and give them grace, guys.